Hey, Brian Phillips here with you today with the Grace Ops Podcast. I'm in the studio with Dr. Ken Hansen, Ryan Evan, and myself, and we want to talk today about dealing with abusive authority. What a big topic. It this can affect us in so many ways, whether it's a we deal with abusive authority from government perspective, church leadership, marketplace in your work, even family and relationships. I mean, how many people, men and women, deal with abusive, controlling type uh, personalities and people in their family? So we want to address this today. We want to equip you and empower you to actually see this from a new angle, live in a new way, and empower you to live upright. As we get into the discussion today, right before we get into it, I want to encourage you to check out graceapps.net. It's a great place to get some uh, some gear, get some gifts for your loved ones. We w- we're asking for you to share our podcast. Click the share button. Send it out to five friends, two friends, one friend, whatever. Get some other people involved in the conversation. We're trying to get this on a grassroots level all across the country. And we, we just want you to uh, to connect to our culture, be part of our brand, so Go to graceops.net, check us out, give us a share, give us a like, get some gear. All right, gentlemen, we're here in the studio live. Welcome, everybody. We, we're going to start diving right into the topic of how to respond and to deal with abusive authority. Lot to talk about in there, Ken. Yeah, so we're going to look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 26. The entire chapter tells this amazing story. Uh, the background is that King Saul is incredibly jealous of David. He's grown to resent David, and Saul has just been chasing David all over the kingdom, trying to literally kill uh, this mighty warrior David who has taken down Goliath and done so much for Israel. Uh, but yet Saul uh, is a very abusive leader. Uh, in fact, today we would just say he's a jerk. So there are some of you that right now you're working for a jerk or you're in a church where the person leading is a jerk, right? An abusive leader. Um, And so this whole story deals with this scenario uh, where David and his men sneak into Saul's camp one night and they are right there. I mean, he is standing at Saul's bedside. Right, he's right there at the at, at right at Saul's head. All state David had to do was thrust his spear into Saul. Uh, they had snuck in again under the cover of night, and he could have killed Saul right there, and he could have become king. He could have done away with this abusive leader, this jerk that was causing David so much pain and consternation. But David doesn't do it, even though. The story tells us that his men say, they spiritualize, they look at the opportunity that God has given us. They encourage David to kill Saul. (laughs) The Lord is with you. (laughs) Yeah, the Lord is with you. But David refuses. He says, I will not touch God's anointed. And so that's the scenario for this amazing story. So instead of killing Saul, uh, David instructs his men to take Saul's spear and Saul's water jug, and then they leave the camp And then there's this great conversation with Saul, the leader of Saul's men, Abner, where David said, hey, why aren't you protecting your king? And Abner's like, what are you talking about? And they show him the spear. What kind of man are you? (laughs) Yeah, what kind of man are you? You can't even protect your king. And then they show them the spear and the, the water jug. And Abner realizes what has happened. But 
this whole story and what we want to talk about is well and, and even as we as we kind of get into this so we're looking at one aspect of like a 20-year section of David's life yeah and it all begins I mean Saul had lost God's anointing not too far out of the shoots God tells tells him you know Samuel the prophet says hey Saul we want you you know God's kind of done with you 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 haven't really obeyed and blah 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 so it goes into Saul becomes like this madman and David actually, you know, so we find David actually gets assigned to go to the king's house, you know, go to the president's house and, and actually play the harp for him, actually brought him peace. But even in those days, Saul was throwing spears at David. He would get like demonic and, and, mm-hmm. and then David goes on to kill Goliath. And there's this phrase when David was coming home with the head of Goliath and the women, remember they started that song yep. And the song was, you know, Saul, his thousands, but his David, thousands. his tens of thousands. And it said when Saul heard that, he became jealous. And so that's where the abusiveness of Saul really rose. He really saw David as an enemy. And yeah. if he would have just would have embraced his strengths, imagine what he could have done with that, yeah. right? But he I mean, leaders become, a, yeah, leaders become abusive for all kinds of reasons. Jealousy, insecurity. They're threatened. They're threatened. Uh, when they don't have a good self-image or self-identity and they themselves don't feel like they're good enough. And so then again, they're threatened by those that they deem are. Uh, They're threatened. They can't celebrate other people's accomplishments. Good leaders celebrate other people's accomplishments. You know, they're happy for them. I mean, think about it, right? Say you're a leader that can slay thousands, if we're just staying in this analogy. And you got someone else in your life, maybe younger than you or around, you know, however scenario plays out but they're they're they actually have the ability to slay tens of thousands so what do you do as a leader in that situation what you might only be gifted to do thousands yeah but what if you have someone that could slay tens of thousands you know what are you gonna do jealous and tear him down or are we gonna build them up you know but we're talking about david's response now yeah you know this whole the scenario goes on and on right we've got this jealousy we've got there was a time when david uh was running from saul for years, and you know, Saul finds they get close enough to each other. The two armies get close enough to each other, and Saul's relieving himself in the cave. Yep. David gets close enough to his robe to actually cut the corner of his garment off, yep. and then shows it to him later. Right, and then Saul repents, and Saul comes back to his his, his senses again. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're a better man than me." And and As I won't... he does in First Samuel <laughs> right? Same, yeah, chapter. the same type of response. Yeah. But it's like you still can go home and trust him because the next day he'd wake up and want to kill you. <laughs> I think the interesting thing is David has multiple opportunities to kill Saul. Just like in our lives, if we're under an abusive leader, we don't just have one opportunity. We actually have opportunities every day to undercut, to subvert, to talk about that leader, to diminish that leader in the eyes of other people. Basically, to kill their reputation, to yeah, kill to their effectiveness. Resist. Yeah, we're not killing resistance. people physically today, but we can sure kill their reputation. We can sure make them ineffective in their leadership by talking about them behind their back, by doing things that undercut their leadership, uh, that can reduce productivity. Well, and I think that I think even even when we look at the example of um, the proximity, like that's what stands out in the in the story to me of David was within the proximity to take the kill blow, right? Yeah. He he could strike Saul down when he was laying in the encampment, you know, and the spear was by his head. He he was in close proximity, and I think that's something we have to understand when we're dealing with a Saul. Um, 
you know, over us as leadership is that we are within that proximity, like you're saying, that we can ruin their reputation. The, the thing about proximity being close to somebody is that I know the inner workings of your heart. Meaning I, I know what you're dealing with. Well, you know the dirt. I see things that other people, yeah, exactly. I see things that other people don't get to see, right? Um, because I'm, I'm operating within a close proximity to how you operate every day. And I think, I think David's exposure to the inner workings of the court systems, right? Whether it was when he was, um, uh, you know, playing, uh, be, be, before Saul, um, you know, to cast out the demons and to cast out, you know, that spirit of oppression, um, torment. you know, he's it sitting, he was the, yeah, yeah that tormenting torment spirit. spirit. He, he's seeing him at a very vulnerable state, yeah. you know, of what, what Saul was dealing that he probably wasn't taking before the people. Um, you know, and, and so I just find that, that, that contrast interesting when, you know, you have the prox, you know, that, that just that concept of proximity where, um, we have a responsibility to those that we are serving, even if we don't like them, even if they're, they're messed up in, um, how they're going about leadership. Um, and you know, possibly the way they're treating us, but uh, we we still have a, a a responsibility to walk in humility um, and not take vengeance into our own hands. I think you make a great point. We have a responsibility to continue to cover them, and I'm not I'm not talking about hiding things that are immoral or unethical, but because we do know things about people that we're in close proximity with, that there's a sacred trust there that God holds us responsible for, that we are not airing people's dirty laundry as a matter of vengeance because we don't like what they're doing or something that they've done or uh, who they are. But uh, in this case, you've got an abusive leader. So um, the, the, the question here is, uh, you know, all of us have sat under abusive leaders. Yeah. You know, we've all sat under a jerk. Whether, a lot, a lot as you them, said, actually, it's our yeah. family in the marketplace, in the church, or whatever. Most of the church leaders are, are like that. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think you know, I've run a lot of insecure church leaders that I've only been under two or maybe two of them or so, maybe three. The best person I ever worked for was a marketplace guy. But I needed that pressure. I mean, I give you an example, right? My early days, I just gave my life to Christ. I'm coming out of the shoots. I've got this passion. I was underneath a very strong leader. And I made him jealous. I got this whole storyline myself, t- thousands and tens of thousands. My sincerity and my authenticity rattled this guy to the core. Now, he was a strong leader. He was a prominent leader, large church, you know, 2,000 people or so. Well, I was doing all kinds of things that he felt like he should have been doing. And I did it for a couple of years, right? I had all these great ideas and I was impacting this huge neighborhood and doing all these outreaches, bussing kids in week after week. Well, anyway, the time came for us to part ways. I've been underneath him for two or three years, and I was scared of the guy, right? Like, I could have physically taken him, but I was scared of him. And back when we had pagers, you know, he'd page me, and my uh, I'd see his number, and I'd, I'd kind of cr- cringe, you know. So I remember one day looking at him saying, hey, you know, I don't like feeling this way under you, and I'm done. I got to move on, you know. Uh, there's not room for both of us here at this place. And he actually admitted to me. He's like, yeah, you know, I actually got to tell you something, Phillips. And he goes on to tell me, I've been in meetings where people are raving you up. Like, you know, people love you here. He goes, but I would intentionally shoot you down. I would intentionally draw the attention away from you. He, he told me where, how he threw spears at me and all that kind of stuff. And he, and, and he, he, he was bold enough to be honest with me in that moment. 
and he he built me up for my sincerity, my authenticity, and that was great. We parted ways, and it was what it was. But there's a better way to look at this, right? the The goal is not to avoid Saul's. The goal is not to avoid abuse. The goal is to actually see it in a better way. Right. We want to talk about that today. Because we're all going to have to live with the Saul at some point. So what this really comes down to is, how are we going to respond to the Saul's in our life? And what may God be teaching us while we are serving or working for a Saul? And, and I think that's the thing. God doesn't... There is no waste with God. Every experience in our life, God is using to form our character so that we can rule and reign with him. He uses every situation. Right. God grows us under pressure. Right. And when you're under assault and you're or abusive leader, you can grow. We have the mindset, well, I'm stymied here. I can't do anything. No, you can grow. I remember the first ministry position that I took right out of college. I went to a church and I didn't realize it at the time, but it was everything there was really messed up. It was a very bad situation. In fact, I almost quit ministry because of it. But I realized after the fact that it formed who I am today as a leader because I learned everything not to do. Right. (laughs) And learning what not to do is just as important as learning what to do. And so even though that was a horrible two and a half years, God used it to grow me, to form character in me, and to etch some lessons into my life and spirit for how I would treat my staff that are with me till this day. Yeah, I agree. I did the same thing with that guy. He actually formed a lot of my leadership to this day. I'm like, well, I the things I value and try to instill in the people I work with, and God knows I'm not perfect in it. I don't flesh out 100% perfect. But it's, it's looking at abuse of authority. So let's just be clear, right? If somebody's actually physically hitting you, that's not what we're talking about. We're not saying right. deal with that. Like get out yes. of that, you know, get, get the authorities involved, right? We're not saying if you're in an abusive relationship, that's we're not saying to, uh, you know, God's using that to form your character. Yeah, but what we are you know? saying too, right, along those lines is that, you know, and I think something very powerful in the story with David is that he had the right thing in front of him, meaning Saul was going to be removed. The, remo- the anointing was removed from Saul and placed upon David. He already had the word. He already had the promise. Um, you know, but a lot of times the right opportunities get presented, the right thing, right, of like, this guy's got to be removed. Like, you know, but we go, I think the temptation is the opportunity to go about it the wrong way, right? right. And so even in those situations, right, somebody's hitting you, somebody's beating on you, all these different things. Well, the right thing is like, we got to deal with this. But it doesn't mean call your brother-in-law and have him whack him over the head with a shovel right. and bury him out I mean, in but, the backyard. But, but back then, that's but even how though they that's did what we, it, though. yeah, kind of want to do, then, right? That's how they did it, right? It was, like, oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so absolutely. it would have made sense in your thinking back then, yeah. But you know that—that's what I think is incredible about David is that he, you know, he understood that principle of like seek first the kingdom, and all these other things are going to be added to me. You know what I mean? If I humble myself before the Lord, and he even states it in there, he said, I won't touch his anointed. I won't strike him down. He said, the Lord will strike him down. I don't even have to worry about this. Right. You know what I mean? Because in his timing, he'll exalt me in, just in that proper place. And stay time. alive and run. Yeah. <laughs> stay alive. Well, there's an important cultural piece here, and you hit on it, Ryan, is that uh, this was countercultural. The, day, the way that David was responding was countercultural. Yeah. 
to the way people responded in that day. They did just whack a king. They didn't like a king. They whacked him, and the next guy stepped in and filled his place. Whack a king. So, yeah. <laughs> and there was a lot. Whack them all. There was a lot of whack a king going on in that Whack a king. <laughs> so the implication for us today is when we as believers are under, say, an abusive leader in the marketplace, you've got to realize that a part of our witness is – other people that don't know Christ are looking at how we're going to respond to that leader. And if we do the same thing that's done by every other person that doesn't know Christ in our company, we undercut that leader, we talk about that leader, we disparage that leader, all of those things, then we're actually destroying our witness. Because what makes us stand out as believers is that we handle situations differently. And this is what David, this is an important lesson uh, on leadership that David is teaching that is countercultural. And we need to be doing that same thing in our day, in our culture, because our culture is a whack-a-king culture too. Right. Yeah. Cancel well, culture. And I, I feel like the, what's being put on display here in I will not touch the Lord's anointed. At that time, you could have made a case. God, Saul's not anointed right now, bro. You are. And that's what his friends were telling him. But David knew that at one time he was an anointed king that God established. He's the first king of Israel. So David has this beautiful ability to put temperance in his life. He's, temper, he's tempered. He's trusting the sovereignty of God, that God's the one that's going to deal with this. I don't have to take vengeance on this. God will take vengeance. God's justice and judgment will fall on Saul when God wants it to. Now, what was that 20 some years that David years. waited from the time he was anointed? So I think about this, right? And let's just play this out as a metaphor. If you're asked God to be, you know, you say, God, give me the nations. I want to rule nations or give me millions of dollars or I want to, I want to rule wealth and I want to be able to sow wealth into your kingdom. Well, don't be surprised when God turns around and says, well, you want to rule nations. I got to make you into a king. You know, think about Diamonds and coals and the pressure that, that it takes to produce a diamond. The pressure that it takes in a clam to produce a pearl. Think about the pressure cooker we're talking about. Did God send the abusive leader? Maybe. God allowed you to be underneath an abusive authority figure so that the pressure of that could actually be forming the diamond in your life. Yeah. To help you get to a place where you can be a king that knows how to rule a nation. You know how to come out and lead. You know how to treat people in a particular way. Because the, the Eugene or, or Gene Edwards, right, is the, he wrote yeah. the tale of Three Kings. I mean, the beautiful lesson in that book is we can all be Saul mm -hmm. at any given day. Yeah. You know, I thought that was a great, a great thing that he pointed out. All of us have Saul in us, yeah. and it's what are we choosing to do with it. So we, we want to kind of help you today. The, the empowering part of this is to look at it, like be tempered, trust God. You're underneath this abusive authority. What are you doing? Are you undermining them? Are you cutting them, cutting their knees off? You know, are you taking those uh, those kill shots? You know, with your words and with your, your coworkers, or think about family members, dude. Especially since we're coming Bro, up holidays. How many family people? I mean, I you know we pastor churches and stuff. You just run into pe person after person that deals. They deal with these abusive, controlling figures in their family, right? The, oh, it's, it's crazy. But how are you handling that? Like you, you look at it like, oh, this sucks, right? Or you can look at it like, well, God's given me an opportunity to actually produce that diamond, to actually produce that character like David. I love you know? your point too. You know, oftentimes we want God to advance us 
but we want God to advance us without a test. You know, in school, we understand that, you know, if you're in 10th grade to get to 11th grade, you've got to pass the test, right? There's tests that you have to pass, and then you get promoted to 11th grade, and then you get 11th grade, and there are more tests. And when you pass those tests, you go to 12th grade, and so on and so forth. It seems like in our relationship with God, it's like, God, advance me, but I don't want to test. But God is going to send tests, and one of the tests is the leadership test. How will you respond when you are serving under someone you don't like or someone that's abusive? And our response to the Saul's in our lives is really the key to our advancement. Yeah, it's like, I, I look at our culture, you know, Ryan's saying like cancel culture and all the things that we live under. We live under a culture of comfort. I mean, we have a, whatever, you know, more and more so, if I'm not comfortable, life's all about my happiness, how good everything is. But but peace is actually a result of struggle. And it's not about comfort, it's about character. And David's not taking the comfortable route, he's not taking the you know, the watered down, justifiable route. He took the actual hardest road of the entire story. Right. He's like, No, I'm not gonna do anything to this guy. God's gonna do it. I trust that God's gonna do it. And then when, you, when you're that person that's trusting God and you're actually living with that sense of joy because you're, you're living actually from another world, you're, you're pulling the power from the world to come into the present, you actually look really strange to a lot of people because it's by default, more people will gossip, gossip oh. than uplift somebody. That's always the easy right? thing to do. Right, yeah, like let's tear them down, let's step on them because when you're stepping down on someone, you're exalting yourself. Right. And it's so easy to find that type of energy in the world where it's so toxic. And yeah, I mean, we live underneath abusive powers against a conservative mind. I mean, I'm a conservative guy. Mm-hmm. If you if, you know if you really want to get into that kind of talk, but we we live under the abusive power of even just like look how social media abuses uh, what I call truth. Yeah, right? what, what news, I would say truth news agencies now. Yeah, yeah, or lack Can't thereof, right? The yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should start a news agency. Maybe maybe we'll go to the top. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're talking today about res- looking your your perspective of how you look at abusive authority. So we have abusive bosses, we have abusive we could be in abusive relationships um, with our family members, friends, uh, whenever you're dealing with jealousy, how can we look at this in a way on a daily basis to encourage us and actually pull strength from a different perspective of saying, you know, I'm going to shift my mindset and trust God in this. You know, I'm going to shift my heart attitude and actually actually bless this person in my work and still do it as unto God. You know, even though I know I'm going to get another spear thrown at me. Right. Because even like Saul and David, like Saul would be like, peace, peace. But David was smart because he never went back and lived in the kingdom because right. he knew the next day Saul would wake up running after him again. Right. Yeah, David didn't stick his head in the door and let Saul keep slamming it over and over again. That's called stupid. <laughs> um, but you make a great point in in that, you know, how David dealt with it. I was thinking out of this um, um, story, there's a couple of lessons in how we respond. Number one, we see that David respects the office. And I love what you said, that David did it unto the Lord. So when you're under a leader that's less than ideal, your serving them is not to them, it's to the Lord. And I think we have to keep that in perspective or it becomes very difficult. 
And so David respected the office. He respected the authority of the office. I think that's something that we've seen even in our nation today, that 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 the disrespect, the character assassination and all that, and it goes both ways, I get it, um, towards our national leaders. David respected the office, even though he didn't like what Saul was doing. He respected his uh, Saul's authority because God had placed them there. And until God removed Saul, David was going to respect that authority. The second thing David does is David refuses to retaliate. You know, the scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So I think anytime we take matters into our own hands and we try to get revenge uh, or just handle the situation on our own, our own, again, he could have tried to get rid of Saul himself and assume the throne, always, always, always ends badly. Um, and then a third principle I see is that David trusted God to vindicate him and to get David to his promised destination was, which was to be king. And so I think as sons of valor, uh, sons of valor trust God, even when it's hard and when things aren't going our way at the moment. We have to trust like David did that God's going to vindicate us and he's going to turn things around and God knows how to get us from point A to point B. But I thought there was a there's a there's a there's another important lesson too, and it's I think that that David, um, because after he steals the spear, um, it says that David went far enough off right into the mountains, but to to where they could still hear him, and he addresses King Saul, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think that there's this bold humility, right? That that there 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 is a principle here, you know, and I'm gonna actually read it just because I find it so interesting, um, but he actually. He doesn't shy away from what Saul is doing. He directly speaks to him about what he's doing. He confronts Saul, um, you know, and he asks, he asks him this question. He says, um, uh, let me see. David said, it is my voice, my Lord, O King. So I, so just in that, that first, that first little phrase, you know, he's already, again, like you said, he's addressing the office, you know, um, and he's doing it with respect. And he says, why does my Lord pursue this servant? He says, for what have I done or what evil is in my hand, you know, that you would you would pursue me and try to take my life. And so I love the boldness that David comes comes to Saul with, but he does it in a a, a very humble way, you know, where, you know, and later on in that verse, he actually gives him an opportunity to repent again. He actually sets it up. So there's there's a way that we confront leadership too yeah. that we have to talk about because you can't just come in and be like, look at you know, you you're a this or that or you blank. You know, and we yeah. get we no, but there's a way that 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 if we can learn how to approach a Saul or approach a leader in our life that is being abusive, that we actually when we do it with boldness and we come direct and say, Hey, these are some of the things that are happening. Why? Why are you doing this to me? What 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 cause do you have against me? Um, you know, to to come after me in such a way, you know, I think it opens up that conversation and it gives them an opportunity to to say, Wow. Yeah. You know, here's it, the deal. We stink at confrontation in the church. We stink at dealing with issues. Nobody ever exercises Matthew 18 and actually goes to the person. And then, like you said, Ryan, a lot of times when we do muster up that courage or that boldness or whatever, and we go to a leader, we do it in a disrespectful manner. Right. We go in a very accusatory manner rather than in a, in a, in a humble manner and say, hey, this is the way, when you do this, this is the way it makes me feel. I'm, 
I don't think you mean this, but this is the way it makes me, or this is how it appears that you're hurting people. I mean, we go with not uh, an ax to grind. We don't go to a leader. Um, we go for redemption. We go to make that leader better, to help them to see something they haven't seen. And so the posture that we approach a leader with is important. And it's important for us to make our leaders aware. I, I love that fact that David said, this is, it's my voice. It's me, Saul. It's me, King. Um, because a lot of times people hide in the shadows. No, we need to confront abuse. We need to confront poor leadership. But how we do it is the key so that we get a good end. Yeah, and the way you confront that, you're also putting on display to the room and the people you do life with at that point that your your life personally isn't your own. You're putting that same temperance and you're modeling that. You're like, I'm trusting God. I'm still wanting to confront. Not is the the word confront is appropriate, but it's I'm doing this out of love. So you know, because Saul could actually could have grown and could have actually changed his ways. And you you know, I sometimes I've had to deal with the aggravation of like, how the heck did these freaking morons get into the place of authority? I mean, really, like you ever felt that way? Like, yep, they, they make bank. They you know they got the clout, the platforms, or whatever. How did that freaking abusive dude get there you know like in sometimes my mind. they have a gift a gift but no character <laughs> they do yeah right your gift will make room for you I mean, whether but, you stay there has to do with your character yeah and i think that when we if we can choose to to grow our think about this christ himself is the he's he's the supreme right he's the sovereign king of the kingdom of god he's the name above all names but where did he have to go first to get that name? He had to go to hell. He had to go through the trenches. He had to come to earth and put God on display and redeem humanity through the cross, right? The brutality of the cross. And then he goes to hell itself to take back the authority that was stripped away. You think about, you know, you want to get, you want to go to a high place. Are you willing to go to hell? Are you willing to go to the wilderness? Are you willing to pass the test? Are you willing to endure for 20 years? You know, we're, we live in such an instant, such an impulsive culture. You know, we, we download apps and, you know, we're mad if it's not working right. We download software, right? We, we get these updates and that update. We just live in this impulsive culture where the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. Right. God's not on culture's timeline. God's not into instant gratification. Yeah, he's still into like, well, if I want to make a king, it might take a couple decades. It might right. take 30 years to make a king. Right? I mean, and we, we forget all that. We forget the beauty of what it looks like to walk with God day by day, season by season. Yeah. I think of that scripture that says we are God's handiwork, his craftsmanship. And, and we all know the difference between something that's made in China and something that's been carefully uh, handcrafted. That takes time. That takes a lot of it's intense worth more labor money, right? and effort. It's worth a whole lot more. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, uh, you, th- you think about David. Cheap David, things that break. David that last. doesn't live cheap. I like that language. Right. That's great. David didn't live cheap like Saul. He goes on to live kingly like Jesus, the Christ, right? right. And who sits on his throne? Right. Jesus does, right? Jesus right. sits on the throne of David, which makes David's throne a forever throne, yeah. forever kingdom. And so that's that's the way we can look. If we take that high road, that hard road, that difficult road, and let God develop us and trust him, it, it turns it, it it matches the forever kingdom that he he's already established. Yeah, yeah and I think the temptation in it all in, in in all of this is the shortcut, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's what, you, what you guys are talking about. And, and it reminds me of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. It was yeah. a shortcut from the cross, you know? And we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's like, Father, like, <laughs> take this cup from me. Like, I don't want this. Right. You know, he wrestled his, his body and his flesh to the point of sweating blood. You know, I mean, I'm like, I've never wrestled myself that with that, you know, to that extent, and nor do I ever believe I will, right. you know, that, that I'll be in that sort of wrestle with my flesh. But I, I look at the temptation while he's fasting in the wilderness to say, I could actually shortcut the process of the cross right. and advance myself mm-hmm. to have the kingdoms of the earth, right. you know, because that was what the devil was tempting him with, you know, right. all of this that's before you can be yours, you know, yeah. like, you know, and, and I think the temptation of like how the enemy works where he will take a, uh, a he'll, t- he'll, he'll pervert what God has put before you promised you destined you and he'll pervert it to look similar and he'll tempt you and hang it before you of like, here's the power that God's promised you. Here's the, the wealth that, you know, all, all these different things. And he'll say, I'll, I'll put it before you. And it's those moments where again, it's looking at some of the right things and going about it the wrong way that will short circuit, you know, shortcut and short circuit our destiny right. if we decide to go down that easy path, you know. Yeah, David uh, made a key decision that he would not advance himself; that he would let God advance him, and that's really a huge point in this conversation in this story. And it's for us: Are we going to let God advance us, or are we going to try and advance ourselves? That never works. No. And am I going to be more concerned with my, you know, the building of my character than I am the display of my gift? Yeah, well, it's been a great time today, guys. I think we've laid out a really good approach to how to handle abusive authority. It's really how you look at it and how you can embrace the pressures that are around you, understanding something greater is happening in the process. The metaphor or idea of when God, when you ask God for nations, he sets out to make you into a king. So until next time, live upright.